Hey everybody, welcome to Killer Serials. This is Tony Jones. This is Ryan Parker. And we are talking about serial television from a theological, religious, spiritual perspective as we do every week on this podcast. We are so grateful that you listen. And um, we are, we're doing some, as what Ryan likes to call, endurance television. Okay. Let's talk about it. Let, there, are let, three, let me, let me. there are three shows. There are three shows that we could choose from right now. To, to do a podcast on, but we've selected The Handmaid's Tale on Hulu. You selected it, but let me, let me, and I'm glad you, you do. You love it. Yeah, I do there love you it. Go. Well, I don't know if I love it, but here, I want to give you an analogy, okay, to, to launch Hit a me. podcast. Got it. We're finishing this podcast, it, and I'm calling your wife. <laughs> she hated it, but she didn't, fin- she said, it's, it's very well written. I closed the book, and I wept. But she's like, I don't know why anybody would cry. For this main character, I don't like him. I don't. I don't like him. I don't get why his partner, who was so successful and w- wonderful and a beautiful human being, would have ever fallen in love with this guy because he's despicable. He's not, oh my he's, gosh. She doesn't. Well, she didn't like him. Okay, my point is all. My we're gonna have to this. edit this because this is not in keeping with what we're. <laughs> no, no, no. But talking. here's my point in saying all this. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I think I know where you're going. There's something about this show, the, the Handmaid's Tale, that is very difficult to watch. It's very troubling. It's very dark. It's shot very darkly. It's very claustrophobic. There are a lot of very close-up shots of Elizabeth Moss. In fact, I saw an interview with Elizabeth Moss last week in which she said, like, sometimes the camera was so close to her in some of those shots that she, if she would have lifted her head up, like in a reaction, she would have hit the lens of the camera. That's how close it, like everything yeah, is shot so yeah. close and claustrophobic. And there's almost like no. It's very oppressive. It's you're, very it's oppressive. It's very oppressive. You are pulling for her, but you also are like, she's not that resilient. It's like she's kind of given herself over to her fate. But then there are these little moments where there's. Of rebellion. This, of rebellion and flashbacks. And of foreshadowing, like right at the end of this episode we're talking about this week, episode four, in which she says, she's talking about the person who carved in the, uh, carved inside the closet and uh, don't let the bastards grind you down in Latin. And when she figures that out, she's, then she's making her, the early, another Offred, an earlier Offred, her predecessor. And she said, like, she says something like, you're with me. You helped me escape. You were my partner in my escape. Now, we don't know what form her escape is taking, but just the fact that you get to the end of this episode and you're finding more out about the backstory of what happened. You're finding out about how she and Moira tried to escape. Moira got away and she was savagely beaten as a result. And you're like almost hopeless. This is what I'm saying. And then you're given this little sliver of hope at the end which i think this is, a, is what i wanted to talk about yeah i know i know so i just been bringing up that little life both because you recommended it you probably recommend it to our listeners but to say that like my wife read it and thought it was beautifully written but also thought that it was very hard she it was very hard for her emotionally to read it yeah i guess it just made me think about and this show you can also think about it's a window into oppression and suffering mm-hmm. and experiences that certainly you and I will never know um, and that hopefully not many people will ever know. Yeah. And I felt that that 
you know, when it, the you know, well, I won't talk too much about a little life. I recommend it. People should read it, but it's a window into, it's a window into suffering and unspeakable suffering that feels completely natural and believable. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what Handmaid's Tale is doing too. And I think that's why a lot of people are both resonating with it and are terrified by it, finding it difficult to watch because it's something that feels so close at hand. We talked about this last week when we were discussing the first three episodes. But, you know, so if we do a little, I want to get to the hope part, but if we lay the groundwork for what's happened in this episode, which is uh, episode four, and it's the Latin, the title's in Latin, but basically says, don't let the bastards grind you down. Which, which by the way, was the motto of the Edina High School Latin Club my senior year when I was Pontifex Maximus. I love it. Our t-shirt, maybe wanna, was, our t-shirt was an emperor with his arm out and his thumb down, and we wrote it a little bit differently, illegitimati non carborundum, which is the same thing. Don't let the bastards get you down. I like it. Yeah. So there's <laughs> so not a I knew, lot. I knew exactly. As soon as the carving was inside the eye closet, sure. I, I knew exactly what it meant. So there's not a lot that really happens in this episode to move us forward but we get a deeper understanding of the of what's happened in the the past and so it felt like a a real uh obviously you know coming right after episode three but a main the main part of episode three was how we got to the world we got to right how quickly the government was shut down and things well it opens it opens in place it opens with a deeper flashback to her little family at a carnival yeah, I love those shots. They're just so beautiful. Yeah, and they're very dreamlike. It's like it's not just a flashback, but it's clearly you're seeing it through Offred's because she's trapped in this very claustrophobic and bare room. Yeah, locked upstairs by by her commander. So in this episode, wife. she's been in there about two weeks. Yeah. About two weeks have passed. She's been locked up. She's looking days, haggard, I mean, and she's, she's looking. That's right. And yeah. I love that. I love that tension with opening with that flashback and then cutting to her because Elizabeth Moss has a very classic beauty about her. Yeah. She feels like somebody that could have been a star in like the studio, the silent, in the studio era. Uh-huh. And then to contrast those images where she's happy and with her family and at peace and, yeah. and joyful with this very stark, uh, imprisonment, you know, and she's, she looks very drained, right? She's very pale. She's very weak and tired. So she's been in there for two weeks because she did, she wasn't pregnant. Right. right. And the, the wife threw her in the in the room, basically is locked her in the room. So we're fast approaching another ceremony, right, where they're going to have sex again. So she managed to negotiate her release to go to the doctor to make sure everything's OK, because she can admits to having fainting spells. But we know she's not really fainting. She just fell asleep in the closet because yeah, she's, and she's also just with exhausted. Her predecessor. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So she goes, everything checks out to the doctor. They have, I'm, I'm moving forward really quickly here. And then they have the ceremony, but it doesn't work because Fred, who we learn his name, Fred, well, can't get it up. Off Fred means of Fred. Fred, there you yeah, go. That's her, that's her name. Yeah. There we go. But then they play Scrabble again because he's looking for some sort of connection. He wants her life to be I mean, bearable. Let, we learn that her predecessor committed fast. suicide. Yeah, let's not j- jump over too fast. She's on the vert. She's on the verge of committing suicide. She's asked herself about taking the easy way out. And then the other half of this episode is a backstory where she and Moira are learning more about what it means to be a handmaid. They learn about the ceremony and where it comes from, which is which was hinted at yeah. rather strongly in the first three episodes with Rachel and Bela from the Old Testament. 
And at some point, Moira and Alfred try to escape. And they do. And th- and they are so close. <laughs> Moira gets on the train to Boston with Alfred's permission. Yeah, with a little bit of a, a little nod. A, very a little nod. nod. And then... And then, of course, Alfred's taken back to the to the camp, whatever, education center, mm-hmm. and she's violently beaten for mm-hmm. trying to escape. So it's interesting, and one thing to note in just the narrative, and not only is it inspired by Scripture, right? So Rachel and Bela are kind of the inspiration for the ceremony, but most of their life is dictated by what seem to be Old Testament practices, right? It's like a, an eye for an eye. Yeah. You remember? Yeah. She yeah. says, uh, if they catch you writing, they'll cut your hand off, right? right. They pluck it's not worth it, eye. and Moira says it is worth it. They pluck that girl's eye out, and then when she tries to flee and they bring Alfred back, they beat her feet. Right, and also— right. So and it's very, but, but also, punishment is, in their mind, fitting the crime, remember right? this, too, when they— In a very biblical way. When they— uh, assault the aunt, Aunt Elizabeth, and bring her downstairs into the basement of what's clearly, you can tell in one scene, they're walking down a high school classroom because there are it looks like it, it? lockers yeah. on, like, and you know, this is a little bit like, um, you know, uh, Afghanistan or something where all the schools that educated girls are closed kind of thing. Yeah. And now they're re-education centers. They take her downstairs and they take away her taser, you know, and they're like uh, her cattle prod. It's basically more like a cattle prod. And, um, she, Moira says like an eye for an eye, right? Like she's about to zap her with the cattle prod. And she says, I could stick this down your throat and burn your tongue off. Remember, you know, if this goes down bad, remember that I didn't like, basically I'm showing mercy to you. If it goes an eye for an eye, I'd like you to show mercy to me if I ever get caught. Which, of course, they're not gonna, they would never show her mercy, you know. There's no quarter. And what we've been told, just to remind people who binged the first three episodes last week, is that Moira's dead. Now, we don't know that that's true, but there's a rumor among the handmaids. haven't hand, seen that, right? There's a rumor among the handmaids that that one-eyed girl says, dur- during that scapegoating scene you talked about, she says, uh, Offred says, where's Moira? And... That other girl says, oh, Moira's dead. Moira went to New Hampshire. Moira's dead or something like that. Now, we, yeah. don't, we don't know. I'm, I'm hoping she's not. I'm guessing she's not. But she maybe have tried to find some underground railroad. Here's another thing we found that's interesting that I find this is what's interesting about, you know, I, 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 I've talked about Man in the High Castle a lot, even though it hasn't been one of the shows we've done on, on our podcast just because – it's been an important – it's just a show that's captured my imagination. You get a ton of what's going on outside in Man in the High Castle because it's a lot of intrigue about what's going on in the pan-Asian uh, pan, uh, uh, state or pan-Japanese states or whatever. And then you are also getting like um, what's going on in the, the Reich, American Reich. And there's a lot of – let's step back. Like you even see maps, Okay. On this yeah. show, we've seen no maps. Yeah, it's very it, disorienting. It's very disorienting because they're like they're just trying to get on a, a train to Boston. They have no idea what's in Boston. And then you hear this little thing where – They even get out of there when they're trying to escape. They say, where are we? They can't even tell where they are because yeah. all the street signs are gone. 
And yeah. you get a little thing in the present day where the commander says to his wife, an aunt, an aunt escaped to Toronto and it's in the Toronto. She did a tell all and it's in the Toronto paper. And you think, yeah. oh, that's it. It's not, it wasn't a, it wasn't a handmaid that escaped or a wife. It was an aunt the brown dress, the, the women who are older yeah. and are, are, so you, you're getting these tiny glimpses of what's going on outside and the immediate and the immediate reaction. Right. So that opens up another, a window oh into one of the things that I saw in four episode four that you, that I made a case in an article I posted about it on pop theology um, about the series is that all women are oppressed. They are to be seen and not heard. And when Fred's wife tries to step in and, and just have an opinion, ameliorate, ameliorate the situation. Right. Yeah. He's like, I've got good men working on this. I've yeah. got good yeah. men working like, on this. And her first goal, you could tell she's PR or she's a little Kellyanne Conway wannabe. You know, she says the goal is not to discredit her account to the Toronto yeah. star is to discredit her. Yeah. Like she, uh, yeah. the aunt, like she's maybe, psycho. She's off the reservation. Maybe. And maybe, maybe, she did used to be in PR in, in yeah, you know, maybe in, yeah. in her former life. We don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's so claustrophobic. The fact that even, even the wives don't get to read books, even, even the highest ranking women in the society don't get to read books. They don't get to watch TV. They don't get to listen to music. He gets to have a study full of books. He gets mm-hmm. to drink scotch. He gets to uh, play Scrabble. You know, he gets the internet. He has a laptop. He changes the screen when his wife comes down, so we don't know what he was looking at. You know, it's it is really like you say it's it's disorienting for sure. Can I uh, bring this up? And I, I, it's, it's certainly not trying to overly sympathize with the oppressor, but there's this a line right in faith communities when one person is oppressed, everybody is oppressed. Yeah, but you really see that here. I agree. I agree. I just, you know, that I have been trying to watch this show. I'm, I'm trying to be conscious of my maleness when I'm watching this show because it's a very, Absolutely. very female heavy show. And I've even men are pigs and men are pigs in this show. I don't want. Pigs. I'm not trying to oh, yeah, excuse are. behavior, but it's. I noticed that when I was watching this, this is this is not working for anyone. I'm not seeing somebody who is in, unlike. Yep. A lot of other dystopian shows, that's right? That's right. Or post-apocalyptic narratives. There's not. We've yet to see a man who is relishing in this freedom. There's a lot of men no in the background. The really only two male. The, we have seen three main male characters: Fred, Fred's, you know, driver, Gardner, yeah, mm-hmm. and this doctor. And we're going to talk about him later. Too. Are they? Otherwise, there's just tons of men standing around with automatic weapons. Yeah. And they're just cogs in the wheel. Or we've seen that bureaucrat last week who was yeah. interrogating, interrogating Alfred. So, again, reprehensible behavior, absolutely. But it is a system in which we are seeing no one flourish, right? No one is, no one is free in this, in this world. Yeah, you know, uh, it's true. Because, uh, it's true, of course. I, I, yes, the commander is not flourishing he's not thriving he doesn't seem happy he can't even get an erection to try to impregnate his handmaid but he's not a sympathetic figure either he's not doing offered a favor by asking her to come play scrabble with him 
he's only doing that so he can get an erection and ejaculate inside of her. Like that's yeah, the only that's reason he's point. doing it. Yeah. So I, I hear you, but I, I don't feel any sympathy toward him or any affection toward him. I'm not rooting I don't for either. him in any no. way. Like I want Offred to strangle him, you know. I just wonder if you can name if you can name the extent of the brokenness of this system. Oh my gosh! I mean, which what a- I think touches on men too, without placing them above women or without trying to feel sympathetic for them. Yeah, I just think it's further damnation of a system. Yeah, the system that prioritizes men so highly over women. It breaks men, too. When his wife tries to basically be the fluffer and, like, go down on him in the in the back in the other part of the bedroom so he yeah. can get an erection and go in, into his handmaid, and he yeah. says, don't do that. What do you think that's about? Is I that have, about— no, I was going to ask you that question, I too. wondered. I mean, it could be one of— I didn't things. know what to make Either of that. Either he could be like, this is, like, this whole thing is messed up, forget it. Or it could be like part of the. That's not what you're supposed to do. Yeah, it's holding to some of these structures and rules. Part of the Puritan sexual ethic that he has bought into is that like, a either a he never even has sex with his wife, or b oral sex is prohibited, or you know I don't know what it is, but it's a bad deal. And like, like his wife's spirit couldn't be crushed anymore. (laughs) She like he rejects her sexual advances now. Yeah. And it, she's just there's there's just like nothing left inside of her. He you know I, oh. I, I think that I think is such a powerful sequence because I didn't know what to make of that scene and now it just feels like there's just nowhere to go. Well I'll tell you what, here, there's nowhere to go in that way for any of these characters. Like how do you here's the problem, Ryan. Here's you don't live coming. that way. Here's what's coming. The next time they have a ceremony, Commander Fred is going to want to make eye contact with Offred while he's penetrating her in order to keep his erection. But if he does that, so what you're saying saying is there's going to be the need is going to be for greater intimacy with Offred, which is going to create greater tension between him and his wife. Him and his wife. It's going to be brutal. And between Offred and his wife. I mean, swear so you to know God, what I thought. Ryan, it, it is like, it's, it's like Rene Girard could have written this with triangular mimetic rivalry. Yes. There you go. Nerd out real quick. For sure. For sure. Before we go, we got to talk about another. No, uh, hold on. I want okay. to, you know what I, you know, what I thought was interesting is that they have, um, and when they were in camp, when they're being educated and how to be handmade, they think. That it's artificial insemination. At first. At first, right? Turkey which, baster. Which you're, you're sitting here going, well, yeah, why couldn't we just do that? Right. Because it's not why biblical. Because it's not. Sponsored rape. Because it's not biblical. That's why. Hey, is, it, is, the, is, the, is the Bible full of divinely sanctioned rape? Yes. No, not divinely sanctioned. It's just recorded. But, Okay. Let's let's move on to one last. Oh, let's just don't touch that. Okay, because you and I, I think disagree. I want to talk about hope. You can talk about hope as the clo- as the, as the close. Before yeah. we get there, let's talk about the do- the OBGYN who I personally you took it as another attempted rape, and I personally took it as an act of beneficence. He's actually see. Well, not, you just you have more faith in men than I do. Not that he wouldn't have like. Not that he doesn't do this regularly to try to get his rocks off or whatever, 
just so it's so creepy, man. Come on, it's super creepy. But the whole freaking thing is creepy. She's yeah, behind the I know. curtain. She can't see him. He he says, "I'm I I'm willing to do this to help you out." And when she says no, he says he doesn't force himself on her. He offers to help her out. And it's like, how much more effed up is that than anything else that's going on? But you saw it as another attempted rape, another attempted sexual assault. It, I did. I I am not saying I I don't I can't understand or I don't see your point of view. There are so many ways in which that goes wrong. Yeah. If he's doing that as an act of beneficence, I mean, any, of, of course, any there is no consent by any of these women. Consent does not exist in this world. Consent. So it's all rape. Consent has so been erased. It's all rape. Yeah. So when so far, so when we see when I saw that again and I heard that, I was like, God, this guy because he's behind the curtain and it's spectral and he pokes his head around the corner and he's clad in all black. And, yeah. you know, when he walks away, he could have obviously could have forced himself on her and he didn't. But let's say, for example, you brought this up, like that she, he is able to impregnate her and she goes home and Fred can't have sex with her for a month. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. She's probably going to be hung or she's going to the con. What would that do? That's an interesting plot line because what happens? They're not going to not take a child. No, they would remember they've already, we've, we've had a similar encounter like this, like, um, with uh Alfred's friend who's who's a lesbian they kill the other woman yeah and then they mutilate the one, her but then but then the one who's fertile, fertile. that you know they can't so yeah if that would have been the case the doctor would have been hanged on the wall and Alfred would have been allowed to give birth to a bastard child you know that's just how messed up this society is well before I'm we still, go I'm but, still intrigued by language and I'm still intrigued by the way that you know they when the doctor says all of those men are sterile yeah oh my gosh that's a and, huge line and she says nobody that's a that's her, treason you can't say mind, that in her mind but, you hear her inner monologue yeah, says because she's men well, aren't she's sterile. thinking men are never sterile women are fertile or not and so it's treating women like flora right they're either made the seed open and the way that women are referred to again it's just kind of dehumanization well, you flash back when you flash back the one-eyed girl in in the when they're getting trained says we're flowers you know <laughs> we're flowers it's so nice okay preach some hope before we go ryan preach some hope I was mindful of Cormac McCarthy's novels when I watched this. It would be interesting if we could get his take on this. If he's does Cormac watch TV? I don't know. <laughs> this feels like a show he would he would like. I'm always intrigued by the end of his books. There's always there's always a glimmer of hope in his books, as dark as they are. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking of No Country for Old Men. There's this beautiful sequence, the ending of it. A lot of people hate it. I loved it. It felt like a, a very hard one optimism or a very hard one hopeful vision of a future, mm-hmm. this little glimmer of a flame. And I think we see that in the ending of most of these episodes is that we have probably the darkest narrative you could possibly imagine, but yet there's almost a note of whimsy to, to the conclusion of every episode. It's like a hopeful uh, cliffhanger, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So whether it's a musical cue yep. at the end or whether it's her quoting the Latin and then saying bitches, you know, yeah, yeah, like she's because yeah, right. she says because she she's referencing her predecessor who she says she's dead, she's alive, she's me. Right. We're all essentially we're all one. 
you know, yeah. bitches. And there's this march into, and you wonder if, well, look, the, she, the, she, like the group, what can they do alone? Not a lot. They're little acts of rebellion. But what if they just said, we're, we're not going to do this anymore? Well, she's won a and little victory. And they all just. She's won a little victory because she said to the commander, like, maybe it, she, she was totally, you know, maybe I'll Playing kill, him like a fiddle. Maybe I'll kill myself, too. Wouldn't that be terrible? You don't want yeah, me to kill totally myself, totally manipulating too. him. So then she gets out of her lockdown because he obviously overrules his wife. And so she's walking out in the fresh air again and like, all right, a little victory. A and little she looks victory. up at her in the window yeah. like to say, you know, to kind of mentally flip her off. And this is a great – this kind of ties into yeah. your point from earlier about the greater intimacy that this might – create between her and Fred as they move forward. Not that she has any emotional, true emotional feeling for him or whatever, but she's using that kind of her insight, right? Her intellect, her wisdom to pit them against each other. All right. Well, thanks everybody for listening to killer serials. This is, Hey, we're going to try to get some guests on here. Let's get some some guests guests. on here. Tweet, tweet it, tweet it. uh, People on the show. If you want next week, it's not going to be just the two of us next week. We're going to have a guest. All right. Even if it's my dog, Flynn, just panting into the microphone. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Killer Serials, everybody. We'll see you next week. I was asleep before. That's how we let it happen. When they slaughtered Congress, we didn't wake up. When they blamed terrorists and suspended the Constitution, we didn't wake up then either. Now I'm awake. My name is Alfred. I had another name. Ladies, I have to let you go. It's the law now. They needed to do it this way. All the bank accounts and the jobs all at the same time. You imagine the airports otherwise? Run, run, run! You girls will serve the leaders and their barren wives. You will bear children for them. In your house. We'll send you to the colonies. You'll be cleaning up toxic waste and then you'll die. Tonight is a celebration of Gilead and of what we have achieved. We only wanted to make the world better. Better? Better never means better for everyone. I want to keep on living for her. Remember your scripture. Blessed are the meek. And blessed are those who suffer for the cause of righteousness.